Lord, here we are, and we ask that through the power of your word, you would teach us what it means to have your kingdom come in us and in your world. We pray this in your name. Amen. The author, Karen Manns, tells a story about a Sunday school teacher who asked her Sunday school class kids, if, if you go to church every Sunday, will that get you into heaven? And they all said no. So she said, well, if you do good things and obey your parents, will that get you into heaven? And they all said no. So finally she said, well, what do you need to do if you want to go to heaven? And finally one kid raised his hand and said, you got to die first. That's a pretty good metaphor for what we preachers have done to the message of Jesus. We have shrunk it down to one of two things. Either Jesus came to show us what were the minimum entry requirements to get into heaven, or Jesus came to teach us how to work really, really hard to be really, really good people so that we could feel really, really superior to everyone else because that's what Jesus would do. That's what we preachers have shrunk it down to. But Jesus' mission was much bigger than that. It was about this thing he called the kingdom of God. And Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than anything, more than money, more than sex, more than religion. He mentions it over 100 times, but he only uses the word church twice. The verse we read today says, says Jesus came preaching the good news of how to get into heaven? No. Came preaching the good news of the kingdom which includes going to heaven when we die and becoming a better person here, but it's also about a whole lot more. It's just much bigger than that, the kingdom. And to reduce Jesus' message down to how do I get into heaven is like saying Lord of the Rings is a movie about jewelry. <laughs> sort of in a way. But gosh, it just seems a little more complex than that, right? And this verse can change our lives because it shows us that following Jesus is a whole lot more ex exciting, a whole lot more interesting, a whole lot bigger than just getting our hindquarters into heaven. There is something bigger that we get to be a part of. This thing called the kingdom of God. Jesus came to tell us that we can start living the kingdom kind of life right here, right now. So, what is this thing called the kingdom of God? It's a little bit of an elusive phrase. Jesus uses it all the time, but what does it really mean? Well, let me sum it up this way. The kingdom of God is wherever and whenever God is king. Wherever and whenever things are being done the way God would want them done. Wherever and whenever up there comes down here. Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. And the kingdom of God is whenever and wherever you, me, our families, our marriages, our jobs, our neighborhoods, our communities, when those things are restored to their original design, to the, to the way God always intended them to be, before they got wrecked by sin. When I was a kid, I don't know, about six years old, my, my, I had an older cousin. He had this really cool truck. And one day my brother and I started playing with the cigarette lighter. And we noticed that if we put the lit lighter to the leather seat, it left a really cool black ring. And in fact, we thought it looked so cool, we just kept doing it. Until there were hundreds of these little black rings all over his leather seat. Funny, my cousin didn't see the aesthetic beauty of the design. To this day, I cannot look him in the eye. Just like, oh, I'm sorry I did that, I'm so embarrassed. That's a good metaphor for what sin has done in our lives. It has left all kinds of junk inside of us and all over our world. 
And the kingdom of God is whenever and wherever that junk is removed. Whenever and wherever you, me, our world is restored to what God always intended it to be. And that's what Jesus' miracles are really all about. It said in this verse, Jesus healed the sick. He healed not because he was some kind of roving hospital, but as a sign that the kingdom of God was coming and breaking forth right in the middle of this world. So that bodies that once didn't work any work the way they were supposed to suddenly were restored to what God intended them to be. Relationships that didn't work could be restored to what God intended them to be. And most importantly, you and me, we who are separated from God, are being restored to relationship with God through Jesus, who bridges the gap between us and God by showing us God in the human form so we can understand and by removing the barrier of our sin by absorbing our sin himself. Now it needs to be said that the kingdom of God isn't fully here yet, and it won't be until Jesus returns, but it's begun, and it's breaking out all over. And wherever Jesus is on the move, the kingdom is breaking out all over right in the middle of this earth. Little pockets of the kingdom everywhere. Think of it like this. It's a little bit like the mountains in spring. You know, there's snow still all over the ground, but you get these little pockets where green plants are starting to break through. Right? That's the kingdom of God. Our world is still covered with a lot of junk, with a lot of sin, but all over the place, in our lives, in our world, these little pockets where the kingdom's breaking out. It's April on Stephen's Pass. Right? And there's still some snow on the ground, but the flowers are bursting through and summer's coming. And not a summer like last one, a good one. <laughs> with a lot of sun. I mean, you could sunbathe in a little bit, right? And this verse can change our lives. If we, if we take it seriously and become not just going to heaven Christians, but let this verse motivate us to, to move out of our blessed assurance and, and, and go out and be part of God's kingdom movement right here, right now in this world. To pray for the kingdom, to work for the kingdom, to expect the kingdom to come. And when we do that, and when the kingdom starts to come, two things change. First, you and I are restored to who we were intended to be. Just like my cousin's truck, we get all messed up by sin. We lash out at others. We, we're riddled with fears and insecurities. We have all kinds of addictions and lusts we don't want. But if we pray for, work for, expect the kingdom to come in our lives, we can be transformed. We can be returned to who God always intended us to be. I saw a bumper sticker once that said, Lord, make me the kind of man my dog thinks that I am. What a great prayer. Pray it this week. Now, if you have a cat, I don't know what you're going to pray. But, you know, you don't want to be praying, Lord, make me the kind of person that my cat thinks I am, right? That could be dangerous. But, you know, use the dog metaphor, you know. God can make you the person you know deep inside you can be. You know deep inside you want to be. The person you were designed to be. The kingdom can come in your life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the kingdom can come in your life right here, right now, not just when you die? A couple of months ago, I was serving communion at our 6 o'clock service. And a woman and her husband came forward to receive communion. I'll call this woman Jane. And Jane has always struggled with insecurities. She's never felt pretty enough, thin enough, smart enough, good enough. She's gotten all those messages from our culture, from some of her background and and, and through just some of her own bad choices. And she and her husband had just gone on this weekend prayer retreat. 
And during one of the worship service, as people were praying for her, Jane just started to laugh, almost uncontrollably. And the pastor hadn't even said anything funny, right? She just started to laugh. Because that's one of the things that can happen when you really have an experience with the Holy Spirit. Often people will just start to laugh. And she felt more joy than she'd ever had before because God had suddenly broken through as these people were praying for her. That same weekend, she and her husband started to work through some really difficult stuff in their marriage and began to make some progress and began to see God restoring their marriage as, as well as Jane. Well, when she came forward to receive communion right after this weekend, she looked different. She was standing straighter. She had this sense of confidence about her. And her smile was so wide, I think you could have seen it from outer space. I mean, I thought her cheeks were going to crack off. She was smiling so hard. And when she stood in front of me, I actually felt this kind of jolt go through me. She just had this presence about her. And my first thought was, what happened? Because she looked so different, so confident and so joyful. But my second thought was, oh, there you are. I always knew you were in there somewhere. In a way, I recognized her more than I ever have because she was being restored to who she really was, to who God intended her to be, to who God designed her to be. And it stuck. You know, instead of feeling insecure and fearful, now she had confidence and joy because she was in this process of being restored and it's lasted and lasted. A few weeks after that incident, my wife came home after talking with Jane and she said, what happened to Jane? She's completely different. She's a new woman. That's the kingdom of God. Do you believe? Do you expect? Do you pray for the kingdom to come in your life? Do you believe that you can be restored to who God always intended you to be? Because I think part of the reason we don't experience it is we kind of don't expect it. We're kind of like, yeah, yeah, I guess when I die and go to heaven. But no. Right here, right now, the kingdom can come into your life. And when you start to own that and pray about it, and cooperate with the Holy Spirit in those training exercises I talked about last week. The kingdom breaks out in our lives and we become different people. Just like flowers poking up all over Stephen's path in April. We're restored. And then we actually begin to do another thing. We begin to give that away. And that brings me to the second way our lives change. If we become kingdom Christians. Not just going to heaven Christians. We get an adventure of participating with God in bringing His kingdom to this planet. We get to participate in God's great rescue operation to this world. You probably noticed, you could hardly miss on your way in, we have a missions fair out there today. Lots of cool stuff going on out there. We have all of these booths representing various ways that we as a church are partnering with God in restoring the world. Everything from tutoring for KidReach to, to, to taking care of needs in countries all around the globe. And each of those booths, just think of it, each of those booths is like a flower poking through the snow of sin in our world. Each of those booths represent a place where the kingdom is busting out all over this world. And to me, this is what makes following Jesus so exciting. Because we get, you know, yeah, we get to go to heaven after we die, and I'm sure that's great and all, you know, I'm, but I, I live here. And the message of Jesus is we can have an adventure right here by being part of God's rescue operation to this planet. Earlier this year, Brent Christie, the director of the Jubilee Reach Center, found out about a woman who I'll call Dawn, who's the mother of a fourth grader. And Dawn was a district manager in her company. She, she owned her own townhome, and, and things were going pretty well until she came down with aggressive MS. 
And now she's confined to a wheelchair with no cash reserves. And at age 29, she and her son were forced to move in with Dawn's mother just to, just to survive. Now, and, and all the bedrooms in, in Dawn's mother's house are all up on the third floor. So Dawn has to sleep in the basement. And her son loves her so much, her son will sleep on the floor at the foot of her bed instead of sleeping in his own room on the third floor. Don's mother doesn't have a lot of money, and, and she's slowly falling behind herself in her mortgage payments. On top of that, she bought a van with a wheelchair lift so that Don can, can go to and from her medical treatments, but that van cost $60,000. Plus, they have huge medical bills. So Brent found out about this, and he started to pull together a team of people to help. Brent called up a friend of his and said that he, he needed someone with a pastor's heart and financial expertise pastor who can do finances. Okay, good luck on that miracle. His friend said, well, there's only one person that I know who's like that, and her name is Joy. And she used to be homeless, but now she's back on her feet working as a financial planner, and yes, she has a real pastor's heart. Well, it just so happened that Joy volunteers at the Jubilee Reach Center and was standing right beside Brent as he was having this phone conversation with his friend. What a coincidence. Brent says that he doesn't get goosebumps anymore. He says he gets God bumps. That's what he calls them. God, this gave him God bumps. So Brent and Joy and a school counselor met with the family the next day, and they started talking and asking questions. And, 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 and Don's mother just picked up on something different. And she finally leaned forward. She said, it's okay. I know you're talking about God. You can talk about God here. So they ended up, that conversation, they ended up praying together, everyone, including the school counselor, who, who I don't think was a Christian. And now there's a team of people from three different churches, ours included, who have surrounded this family and are helping them out. There's a couple of people helping with financial planning. A lawyer has volunteered to help with some of the legal issues. A real estate guy is, is helping them sell their home and find a house that can accommodate a wheelchair. That's the kingdom, busting out in the middle of this world. People from different churches, Christians from different churches, working together to restore this family to who God designed them to be. And it's not just good for this family, it's good for the folks who get to be part of this and use their skills, use their energy to be part of what God is doing in the world. It's not easy, it takes a lot of time, it's messy, but you know what? It gives you God bumps. And I kind of want God bumps, don't you? When we become kingdom Christians, not just I'm going to heaven Christians, we are restored and all of life becomes an adventure. There's a guy named Doug Coe who tells a true story about a man named Bob who was an insurance salesman. And through various conversations with Doug Coe, who has a ministry in Washington, D.C., Bob became overwhelmed with Jesus, that Jesus would love him, and became a follower of Christ. Well, soon after that, Bob was reading in the Bible the place where Jesus says, Ask anything you want in my name, and I'll give it to you. So Bob asked Doug, Is this really true? Doug said, well, it's not a blank check for selfish requests, but yeah, God loves to answer prayer. Well, Bob had never really prayed for anything in his life, so Bob decided he was going to pray for Africa. He said, I'm going to pray for Africa. And Doug said, well, that's, you might want to make that a little more focused. Right? So Doug said, okay, I'll pray for Uganda. Well, Bob had never been to Uganda, right? He just kind of randomly decided he was going to pray for Uganda. So Doug said this, I'll make you a deal, Bob. You pray for Uganda every day for a period of time, and if at the end of that period of time God has not moved in some way, I will pay you $500.
But if God does do something, then you've got to pay me $500. And if you don't pray every day, the deal's off. Kind of an unusual approach to prayer, to bet on it, but if it works, you know, that's what we pastors do. Whatever works, right? So Bob prayed every day for months, and nothing happened. Well, finally, he was at this dinner party, and there was a woman there who was talking about how she helps out at the largest orphanage and medical clinic in Uganda. Go figure. So all of a sudden, Bob just roars to life and starts pounding this woman with questions about Uganda. And finally, this woman just kind of catch her breath, says, wow, you are really interested in what I'm doing. You know, are you from Uganda? Have you ever been to Uganda? And Bob said, no. Well, do you know people in Uganda? Bob said, no. Well, then why are you so interested? Bob said, well, because there's this guy who's paying me $500 to pray for Uganda. So she invited Bob to come to Uganda and see what she did. So Bob flew over there, was appalled by the suffering and the poverty. So when he got back here, he wrote a bunch of pharmaceutical companies and said, look, every year you guys throw away all kinds of supplies. Why, instead of throwing them away, why don't you give it to this orphanage? They need it. And some of the companies did. The orphanage ended up getting all the medical supplies that they needed. So the head of the orphanage called up Bob and said, Bob, we're going to have a party to celebrate, and we we want you to be the guest of honor. Would you come? I mean, this is a true story. It just gets wilder and wilder as you go. So Bob goes, sure, right? Like, Bob doesn't know to say no to these things, right? So Bob flies all the way over back to Uganda for this party. And because Uganda is a small country, and this was the largest facility of its kind, the president of Uganda at the time, this was a couple decades ago, president of Uganda is at this party and runs into Bob, and they start talking, So the president offered to take Bob on a tour of the capital city. Well, in the course of that tour, he showed Bob some prisoners. Don't know why that would be part of the tour, right? Probably not in Rick Steves' Guide to Uganda, right? (laughs) Go look at the prisoners, but there it was, you know? The president mentioned that they were political prisoners. So Bob looks at the president and says, well, that's no good. You ought to let him go. So they just kind of do their tour. Bob goes home. A few months later, Bob got a call from the State Department. The guy said, this Bob? Yeah. <laughs> Have you been to Uganda lately? Yeah. Then the man asked, well, did you meet the president? Bob said, yeah. Well, did you say anything to him about political prisoners? Bob said, yeah. Well, what would you say? That he ought to let him go. <laughs> State Department guy went on to say that the U.S. government had been working for years to get these prisoners released to no avail. And they just got word that the prisoners had been released in part because of Bob. (laughs) Bob's a pretty powerful guy. (laughs) Well, then a little while later, the the president of Uganda, this is a true story, a little while later, the president of Uganda's office called Bob up and said, President is going to be selecting a new cabinet. Bob, would you come over and pray for his selection process for for a weekend or so? So Bob said, sure, flies back to Uganda. Okay, that's a lot of adventure for an insurance salesman. (laughs) Right? I mean, but how cool to be part of God's kingdom busting out for the lives of orphans and prisoners all over Uganda. How cool to be part of melting that snow of sin in God's world. And how cool for Bob. He must know that God is real. Don't you think? Because God so answered his prayer. And what does that do to your confidence? And what does that do to your faith? And what does that do to your sense of hope? Now, you and I may never effect public policy in small African countries, but we might. We are involved in Rwanda and Sudan. 
But regardless of the case, we can affect our little pocket of the world. You don't have to do the whole thing, just our little pocket. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't do this alone. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be part of God's kingdom movement. So will you pray this week? Lord, make your kingdom come in me. Restore me to who you intended me to be. I believe you can do it. I don't have to wait till I die. And then take the Bob challenge. Pray every day, Lord, in my home, in my office, in my school, in my neighborhood. How do you want me to partner with you in bringing up there down here? Maybe go out and wander around and look at some of those booths. One of them may have your name on it if you're not already involved. Because, you see, Jesus wants so much more for us than many of us dare to ask, imagine, or dream for ourselves. He wants us to experience the kingdom kind of life now. And when we become kingdom Christians and start to pray for, expect, work for the kingdom, it just starts busting out all over. First in us, so that where there was sadness, joy just breaks through. Where there was anger, love busts out. Where there was worry and anxiety, peace starts popping up all over and marriages are healed and families are healed and friendships are healed. And we become more and more, bit by bit, the people we were designed to be. And then we can start to give that away. And so when we listen to a coworker in need, that's the kingdom busting out right there in our office. A little patch of green breaking through the snow. Or when we fix someone's car who can't afford it. Or teach Sunday school and help a kid connect with Jesus for the first time. Or care for someone in need. The kingdom starts to break out. The kingdom is on the move. And inch by inch, block by block, mile by mile, minute by minute, person by person, hour by hour, God's kingdom starts to come and His will starts to get done on earth just as it's being done in heaven. And He keeps growing and growing and growing all over this sin-covered world like flowers breaking through the snow in spring. And the sin and the junk just keep shrinking and shrinking and shrinking until the prophet Isaiah's promise comes true and the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And we get to be part of it. I want to be part of it. And I know you do too. Lord, thank you that we don't have to wait until we die to experience the kingdom. We pray that you would bring your kingdom here in our lives and here in our community and here in our world and help us to be a part of it in the ways you call us to do it. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.